All right, just about. Well, okay, let's just be honest. While Jeannie was singing, I checked the ball game score. It had nothing to do with me wanting to know what the score was. I wanted to use it for an illustration. Because I'm going to tell you something. Whatever team, we have a number one team, North Carolina, playing a number two team, Kentucky. There was 46 seconds left in the game. And whatever team wanted to win the most is going to win that game. Whoever was single-minded enough to let nothing stand in their way is going... Now, that's not always true. If you've got Kentucky playing SIC, that's not true. But when you have two almost equally balanced teams and it comes down, the one who wants to win the most is the one that's going to win. And it's because of single-mindedness. And just like Jenny just sang, draw me closer, Lord. Draw me closer to you. The most important, one of the most important things we can do as believers is to be totally and completely single-minded. Would you say amen to that? So we want to jump back in and just grab one verse from where we were this morning. And then I went through um, on my little hickey machine, my, my, my computer, and just looked at several verses that dealt with the issue of double-mindedness. Double-mindedness. And that's what we want to talk about. Because it's a plague... And it's a plague in the church today. It's a plague in the church today. So let's look at this. And we're going to start with, of course, Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 23. Just one verse. I mean, we're just going to use that for an introduction. But in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, now you know all the setup, so let me not play through all that again besides to say, you know, Peter is just like saying, he's rejecting this truth that Jesus has said that I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die and rise again the third day. And he is rejecting the truth and he has said, never, Lord, let it be far from you. And here's what Jesus replied, this being the New King James tonight, different translation this morning, New King James tonight says this, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. And you remember from this morning that literally translates, you are a stumbling block. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. You know, it's important, I believe, to understand, and this is... This might come across as one of those unattainable goals that we sometimes get frustrated with in Christianity. The sooner we learn that we can't do this Christian thing anyway, that any hope we have of living the Christian life is through the Holy Spirit empowering us in our lives. Our, our fleshly abilities will not enable us to live the Christian life. So the hope that we have is the Holy Spirit. I hope you get that and you understand that. So, so when it comes to the single-mindedness, it's not like a... It's, I really believe this. It's not like a 60-40. It's not like a 80-20. It's not like a 90-10. I really honestly believe either you're saved or you're not, and either you're single-minded or you're not. Now, you may have lapses. You may be single-minded and have lapses of double-mindedness, but people, God has called us to have this single-minded uh, approach to his kingdom and to life. And Peter, of course, don't keep in mind, this is pre-Pentecost Peter. P-P-P. Pre-Pentecost Peter. And, and this is before the Holy Spirit in his life. Understand that. We have the Holy Spirit. 
We have the Holy Spirit. We have the ability and we have the power through the Holy Spirit to be this single-minded individual. But at this point, Peter does not. And he cannot grasp the thought of Jesus dying on a cross. Like I said this morning, Jesus, I love you and I love me. And those will not allow me to accept the truth that you have said. And Jesus said, then get behind me. Because you're nothing more than a stumbling block to me. All you can think about is the things of man and not the things of God. So what does that look like from other writers in the Bible? What does it look like in a different context? Tonight, I want us to go to James chapter 1. Then, we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 18. And then, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. And so, we're going to have James, the brother of Jesus. We're going to have Elijah. We're going to have Jesus himself. And then, we may tag on a couple of verses that just kind of give us a little bit of commentary on this. But what does it look like to be single-minded? What does it look like to be double-minded from the eyes and from the mouths of other writers in the Word of God? Hey, guess what? This is a big deal. This is not a little deal. This is not a minor thing. This is a big thing in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in James chapter 1, in verse number 5, he starts out by saying, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now, to really appreciate this, we've got to back up just a little bit. And I'm not going to read the scripture, but if you remember James chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4, it says that we are to count it all joy when we enter into these tests, these, these trials um, that we have. So, so James is writing to a congregation whose life was dealing with deep difficulties. That is the context of this verse, verse number 5. So they are dealing with troubles in their lives. If you, if you understand that, verse 5 takes on a different meaning. Now, this is a classic example. Now, y'all listen up. This is a classic example of a promise we can claim. Christians today, especially in America, are very famous for grabbing text out of context and saying, oh, this is a promise from God. Oh, this is a promise from God. And, and when, then when the promise doesn't come true, you remember what happens? We get disappointed, we lose our confidence, and we have a low view of God, straight from this morning's message, okay? But if we take promises from God out of context, that, that's what happens. If we take them in context, this is what happens. And this is a powerful example of a promise we can take in context. So it says, if any of you lack wisdom. Now again, what's the context? Trials. Trials. So James is saying, if you lack wisdom, not just generally, it's a great verse for generally. It's a great, you know, if you're trying to decide what school to go to, should you marry this person? Uh, should you get a job? Well, you should get a job. What job you should get? Okay, if you're trying to make some decisions, this verse is great for that. In fact, full application. But in the context of this verse, these folks are going through difficulties. And James is saying, what should you pray like, okay, when you're in these difficulties? Now, it's real interesting is that he doesn't, in that context, he doesn't say, you know, he does start off by saying, okay, if you're lacking, if you're in a difficulty and you're lacking strength, you should ask God. Doesn't say that, does he? Isn't that interesting? It would seem logical that if you're in a difficulty and you're feeling weak, the logical thing would be to pray for strength. Or, or perhaps, you know, um, you're in a difficult situation with a coworker, 
And so the natural thing would be you know, you know, to pray for grace. Lord, give me more grace for this person because this person is very difficult to get along with. This person is hard to get along with. You might be married to that person. But in that difficulty, James doesn't say if, if you're in a difficult situation with another person, um, ask God for grace. He doesn't say that. Hey, if we're in a situation, I mean, it's really deep, really deep. And so it would seem logical then to pray for deliverance. We're in a situation, perhaps even life-threatening. And, and, and it would seem logical to us that we should pray for deliverance. But James doesn't say that. He doesn't say if you're in a situation of, uh, that the trial is so deep that you may lose your life, you should pray for deliverance. Instead, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Why would he say that? He would say that because our God is sovereign. Good place for an amen. Good place for an amen. And once again, some of y'all still got to nail it down in your heart. Y'all think Satan is the boss and God's his you know, second stringer. Our God is bigger than Satan. He's sovereign. He's in control. I don't care if Satan tries off an ambush. God already knows about the ambush. He knows who's hiding behind the rock. Y'all need to nail that down in your life. I, I just about had up here with people going, well, you know, Satan can give, give me cancer. He may well give you cancer, but he does not do so without permission of God. Check Job. Check Job. So, so he's, he's saying that we should pray for wisdom because our God is sovereign and he's in control. Therefore, our prayer needs to be, Lord, don't let me miss what this is about. Give me wisdom, this is good, give me wisdom to see what you're trying to do. Warren Wiersbe, one of the commentaries I read when looking at this message, said his secretary um, was going through a very difficult time. Um, Husband was struck blind, she had a stroke, and I'm sorry, yeah, she had a stroke, and then um, his husband, husband was then in the hospital, and they really thought he was going to die. And so Warren Wiersbe walked up and said something like, you know, I want you to know I'm praying God's peace and strength for you. And, and she said, I appreciate that, Pastor. She said, but please would you also pray for me that I wouldn't waste this. I wouldn't waste this. Is it possible that when difficulties come into our life, if we believe in the sovereignty of God, that everything must pass through the Father filter, is it possible that God has something that He wants us to learn from every situation? Is there a reason, and I know there is, is there a reason why we are going through, uh, through certain things? And the answer is yes, and our prayer needs to be, Lord, give me the wisdom to see what you're trying to do. And I promise you this, that will only happen when you are single-minded. As long as you are wrestling, David, I so appreciate that song, I am not a slave to fear. I am a child of God. How powerful is that? A double-minded man will be a slave to fear. A double mind. If you're sitting today and say, I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that, then listen, you're double minded. You're double minded. You are not 
born to be a slave to fear because you are a child of God and not any God, but the God who created the universe. You are in His hands. You are in His arms. Rest in that security. Rest in that security. And along those same lines, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And, and me, I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. That's who I am. The other song. And, and if, I'm, if I'm in the arms of God, and I'm resting in His arms, and He's a good father, and I'm loved by Him, what's the deal? What's the deal? And the deal is, when I allow and when we allow our double-mindedness to come in, we start doubting. You're going to find out tonight in this scripture, doubt and double-mindedness walk hand in hand. Doubt and double-mindedness walks hand in hand. And when we doubt, we get double-minded. Is God good? Would God do this? Why is God doing this? Does God love me? Is God there? And we end up with double-mindedness. So James says, in these situations, in the context of this scripture, and again, you may apply it throughout your life, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and God who gives generously to all without approach, it will be given to him. Now, you understand what I just read? This is a prayer that you can pray with the exception of verse 6. This is a prayer you can pray and you have the confident assurance that God will answer it. Have you figured out there are some prayers that we pray and want our way and God doesn't answer? Well, he does. He says no. Have you figured that out, though? This is a verse. When we sit there and we're saying, God, give me this wisdom, he wants you to have that wisdom. And, he's, and James says, James, the brother of Jesus, says, if we need wisdom, we have to ask. And God will not only give, but he'll give generously to the man, to the woman, to the student, even to the child who asks. How cool is that? Okay, let's we'll try. How cool is that? I mean, this is powerful. You've got, listen, listen, listen. You've got questions in your life right now. You are wrestling. Should I retire? Should I not retire? Should I change jobs? Should I get a career? How should I parent this child? How shall I parent this grandchild? We have these questions. We have these doubts. We have these wonderings. And God says, are you going through something like that? Ask. Now, by the way, you know, God, God has his own time. He doesn't work on my clock. He doesn't work on your clock. But again, this is one of those verses in the Bible. We have the confident assurance he will answer that prayer. All we've got to do is wait for the answer. Now, there's one other thing. Like I told you, verse 6 is the caveat. It says this, but let him ask in faith. Let him ask in faith. So, so God says, if you need wisdom, go ahead and ask. I love to give it generously. I will hear this prayer, but you've got to trust me. You've got to ask in faith. And that's not a big deal. And the reason why is because everything we do with God is faith. Everything we do with God is faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. We're going to die in faith. And by faith, we believe we're going to spend eternity in a place called heaven. We're a people of faith. So God says, let him ask in faith with no doubting. Again, 
Doubt and double-mindedness goes in hand in hand. I was going to turn there, but I don't think we need to. It's Matthew chapter 14. It's just a side story. It's our friend Peter, who we're talking about this month and into next, you know, the rest of this month and next month. You know, it's our friend Peter. You know, here comes Jesus walking on the waves, those waves. And, you know, they were afraid, thinking it was a ghost. But finally, Peter goes, well, if it's really you, Lord, because Jesus had said, it's me, don't be afraid. He said, if it's really you, then let me come out onto the waves with you. And Jesus said, well, come on. And he got out there, and as long as, long as he was single-minded, he believed what Jesus said. He believed what Jesus said. He was single-minded. Jesus said, come, and he came. And the Bible says, when he looked around and saw the waves and the wind, he became afraid and began to sink. As soon as Peter became double-minded, he began to sink. I'm trying to tell you, again, by the Holy Spirit, all things are possible, okay? But being single-minded is a battle we're going to have to face all the time. It will... It's, Double-mindedness is going to be slow to die in our lives. It's a monster that wants to keep getting up. So he says, listen, don't, don't do this. Don't do this to doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Now, what, what do waves do? You remember seeing the video of Uganda and you're on the boat like this. The boat was up, the boat was down. The boat was up, the boat was down. The boat was up, and boat... Does that describe a lot of our lives spiritually? Up and down, up and down, up and down. You want to know why we're up and down like that? You want to know one reason why hot and cold, hot and cold, hot and cold? I believe, I don't believe, I believe, I don't believe, I believe, I don't believe. You want to know why? Double-mindedness. The old monster raises its head. And I suppose, I don't know, this may be a bad illustration. I don't know, but you know the old preaching illustration. You know, the preacher was trying to describe about the, the new nature and old nature. I think that's what it was about. And he says, describe like two dogs fighting. And he says, which one wins is the one you say sick them to? You know, when we're willing to slay in the power of God double-mindedness, that's when it will die in our lives. But as long as we're feeding it, it ain't dying, folks. It's just not dying. So James says, don't be like these waves that are up and down all the time. And notice, by the way, notice just a little caveat here. Notice what it says. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, I made a statement in a sermon. I said this, what drives us controls us. What drives us controls us. Just a little caveat here. Look what it says. Driven and tossed by the wind. Isn't it unusual that Satan is described as the prince and power of the air? What drives the waves? Perhaps the prince and power of the air. What causes the doubt to swell up? And when we see the waves, the prince and power of the air. Who is greater than the waves? Who is greater than the wind? Amen. Yeah, because Jesus is going to speak and say, Stop! And the waves stopped and the wind stopped. So James says, if you want this wisdom, you've got to act in faith, believing. You can't be this up and down thing. You can't be double-minded. You've got to choose. And by the way, it is a choice. Now listen, you, you do understand, I can be easily talking up here and sitting down there with you. Because this is one I ain't got mastered. <laughs> and believe me, there's few that I have. But you do understand that it's a choice 
to be seen. It may be a constant battle, but it is a choice that we make in our lives. Look what he says in verse 7. For that person must not suppose, don't even let him think, that he will receive anything from the Lord. This person who doubts, this person who's double-minded. In fact, he says the word here now for us. For he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, do you catch there's two things there? First, he finally blatantly puts it out there and says, he is a a double-minded man, okay? But secondly, it bleeds over to all his ways. Um, I would say that double-mindedness is a cancer where you may... You may be struggling with financial decisions. All your life, money has been your thing. You've been able to share Jesus with people. You've been able to teach. You've been able to worship. But giving what God has commanded you to give has always been a struggle in your life. You've been double-minded in that area. Can't Should I? Should I not? Should I? Should I not? You've been double-minded in that area. Don't be surprised... If when you have an area of double-mindedness, it starts spreading in your life. I never used so much hand sanitizer in my life than when some of y'all had the flu. I mean, you know, I remember when Ken Erickson was in the hospital. And I walked in and Jeremy was there. And I'm standing there talking and I was about this far from him. And that nurse stuck her head and she had to know me. She said, Dwayne, unless you want the flu, you better put a mask on. Ask me how fast I got a mask on. Now, Jeremy said, I ain't worried about it. You know, I ain't worried about it. Well, honey, I was worried about it. And I slapped that mask on. And Kim, when I left your room, I found me one of them pumps. And baby, I was going to town. You know why? Flu is highly contagious. And so is double-mindedness. Can I just share one more thought? You might want to be careful who you hang around if this is a struggle in your life. If you've got a friend who's real double-minded, he can't make up his mind if he loves Jesus or not. I'm not saying disown him, but be careful you don't get advice from him. Find you a good single-minded man or woman or student makes, you know, that you know is focused on Jesus and build that relationship with that person. I'm telling you, it's contagious. It's contagious. So James says... In this particular context, if you're in a trial or tribulation, before you even pray for deliverance or grace or anything like that, pray for wisdom that you won't waste the opportunity, but you've got to pray in faith. And you've got to pray believing. You've got to pray with single-mindedness, James says. And if we, if we are not single-minded, we shouldn't even think about getting help from God. Now, secondly, our second scripture is 1 Kings chapter 18. And boy, do you know this one. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 21. 1 Kings 18, 21. You know the setup. All right? Ahab and Elijah are having the great battle. battle. They're on Mount Carmel, okay? And, and the great battle between the prophets of Baal and the prophets of God is going on. And then Elijah asks this question that so explains the danger of double-mindedness. And he calls the people out. He calls people out. Now, by the way, let, let me go back real quick to verse number 5 of James chapter 1. You don't need to turn there. Let, I want to point one word out to you. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all. 
to all. Okay. Now, 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah approaches the people, and like I said, he calls them out. It's a, it's a throwdown. Elijah came near to all the people. All the people. And said, and again, I think this is Holman Christian Standard. I like the word. How long will you go limping between two different opinions? The people have been claiming to be uh, servants or people of God, and then on the other hand, wanted to serve Baal. And Elijah says, how long are you, I think the King James, good old King James says, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? This one makes it clear. How long are you going to limp? I like the word limp because it implies a weakness. When we can't decide Baal or, or God, Baal or God, it, we battle from a weakened position. We were talking the other day, and I can't remember who it was, but we were talking about animals that pretended to be ill when they weren't. And I think I shared this one night with you guys. I was down at the park last fall when they were having, still having babies, and there was, a, there was a mama goose and a papa goose. And they had about four babies left that hadn't got eaten yet. And sorry, that's usually what happened to them. And so they had like four babies there. And so when I got close, first off, the daddy goose hissed at me and said, Hey, don't mess with us. When he figured out that I was bigger than him and I wasn't going to change course just because he hissed at me, here's what he did. And this is so cool. He does this. He takes his leg and starts dragging it. And he's pretending to be injured because if I'm a predator, I'm going to go for the easy prey and he wanted me to believe that the easy prey was not the babies but him. He was willing to put himself in a weakened position. And when we are double-minded, we put ourselves in a weakened position. Elijah says, how long will you limp between these two different opinions. I think personally, I think Israel was, and this is a problem, they were keeping their options open. You know, it's kind of like the person who has the, the rabbit's foot, the four-leaf clover, and checks their sign, the horoscope sign, before they make any decision. Oh, oh, and then we throw God in the pot. How long are we going to halt between these two opinions? Well, you know, if God fails, we've always got Baal, and Baal fails, we've always got God. You can't have both. The whole deal is we can't be double-minded. It doesn't work. How long are you going to limp between these two options? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal is God to you, then follow Him. He calls the people down to a decision. And I believe God is calling us to a decision today. Are we going to continue our lifestyle and make our decisions based on what we think? Or are we going to be wise enough and say, God, what do you want? And trust Him to do that. You know, you said something so good, Tyler. The last thing you said in your presentation tonight was to pray what God would have us to do. You know, I don't know if God cares about goals or not. I've learned not to. It's cool. I mean, we need to have them. We have to have something to shoot at. But the least thing on my radar is worrying if we're number one, two, three on the state. But you know what does matter? That America is the fourth largest nation, lost nation in the world. That matters. 
And there are people who live next door to us that are lost. And that matters. And God has placed us in the richest country in the world and given most of us the ability, no, all of us the ability to give something. And we need to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? That's single-minded giving. Single-minded giving. But you can't do that as long as you're trying to decide, am I going to run my finances or is God going to run my finances? Is, am I going to run my time or is God going to run my time? Am I going to run my marriage or is God going to run my marriage? Is, 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 am I going to run the parenting deal or is God going to do the parenting deal? Is God going to help me preach or am I going to preach? Which one's it going to be? Choose, he said. Choose. If you want God, then follow Him. If you want Baal, follow Him. And of course, you know what the people said, right? Nothing. Nothing. They didn't realize that Silence is an answer. Silence is an answer. And you may have somehow, we, I'm sorry, never say you, we may have thought that, well, if I never pose the question to God, then I don't, I'm not disobedient. Well, no. When we choose not even to ask for wisdom, not choose not even to consider being single-minded, we've made our choice. we made our choice. Now, lastly, Jesus says this. And again, you're familiar with this. Matthew chapter 6. And, you know, every one of these statements are dogmatic. Not one of these three scriptures was kind of a suggestion kind of deal. It's a dogmatic statement. And this certainly is from the Lord Jesus. In Matthew 6, 24. Now, notice again, it's all inclusive, but negatively. You know, again, James said all... Um, first, Elijah said, all the people. But now Jesus says, no one, which is inclusive the other way. No one. No one can serve two masters. In other words, you are not going to be successful in your Christian walk with Jesus in trying to serve two masters. You may say, I'm the one who can pull it off. I can do an 80-20 deal. I can do a 70-30 deal. Well, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. No one can successfully be double-minded. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. No one can do the double-minded deal successfully. Ultimately, one side or the other is going to be loved and the other hated. Mark it down. And again, whatever area it is that you are in your life, that this is ringing a bell with you tonight, you know, and, and believe me, it could be any area, an area where you're double-minded in. Okay, are you following? He says no one can do that successfully. He, he closes by saying this. You cannot serve, and here's the context, you cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's the context. He's talking about people who are double-minded about finances. And he's saying you can't serve the world, mammon, mammon, and God. You're going to have to make a choice. You can't serve both of them. I don't think I'm being wrong with the Scriptures. I don't think I'm taking it out of context. But I want to ask you a question. What is your and? What is your and? You cannot serve God and pride. 
arrogance, material goods, bitterness, anger, jealousy. You can't serve God and. It's God and God alone. It's God and God alone. God and God alone. So what's the bottom line? What, how do you close a day like today with the teaching that we've had? What's the bottom line? Would you be challenged today to say, God, I guess a couple of things. God, one, if there's an area that I'm being double-minded in, would you please show that to me? And then secondly, God, as you show those things to me, would you give me the power, the strength, the courage to become single-minded in those areas? Would you even begin tonight to ask God to say, God, I want you to show me where I'm double-minded. Would you pray that prayer? Would you be willing to do that? Because I can't be bold. And again, I don't know you, but I, I would reckon that in a congregation like this, because you know any church, a congregation like this, most people have an area they're wrestling with. There's an area where they're struggling with their emotions, their feelings, their actions, their attitudes. And you're double-minded in it. You know what God says, but you're wanting to do what you say. And would you be bold enough to be challenged tonight and say, God, show me where I'm double-minded. And I'm telling you, again, I've done this for a while, and I, from personal experience, Areas where I have succeeded, areas where I failed or am failing. Life is better when you succeed. <laughs> Life is better when you finally nail it down and go, enough. God, it's you. It's not this, 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 or this. It's you. Let's not be Peter. You are thinking of the things of men and not the things of God. Let's pray together. Hey, Father, thank you so much for the uh, privilege of sharing tonight your word. And this is a big one, God. We know that it is. And in fact, it's so big, we'll be very tempted to say, cannot do it. And we can't. We can't. It's got to be the Holy Spirit working and acting in our lives. So, Holy Spirit, we need you tonight. That song comes to my mind. We need you. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. But, Father, I just sense the power of this truth to set us free, that we don't have to be a slave to fear. We don't have to be a slave to doubt. We can live and bask in the joy of being a child of God, a child of God, single-minded, committed to the Christ who loves us so. So I'm asking you to help us this week as we journey. Would you bring this truth to our mind. And as you bring it to our mind, would you give us the courage to pray and say, Lord, give us the wisdom that we wouldn't waste an opportunity and help us to be single-minded. And Jesus, I pray this in your name. Amen.